You are listening. You are listening. You are listening to the Fly Fishing ninety seven podcast. And I think that is resonating with me the most in the editorial content that I'd like to portray is, you know, talking to that audience of that fifteen year old I mentioned a little bit ago. Um, you know, from Michigan. That's you know, made up obviously, but like just giving you a scenario here, you know, like that person might, you know, find that spark to, you know, pursue a, you know, it might, it might be fly fishing. It might be, you know, surfing, whatever it is. Like if you're a photographer, you know, just do it, do it as a hobby. And eventually like, you know, you might be good enough at it to be a staff photographer for someone or even an outsourced freelancer for a brand, you know, like it's, uh, I, I love learning about people's struggles and challenges because that's where people grow the most. Welcome to the Fly Fishing 97 podcast, featuring interviews with passionate people within the fly fishing industry. We focus on guides, conservation, resort managers, gear, and talented fly tires bringing usable information to fly fishers. The Fly Fishing 97 podcast is brought to you by The Fly Crate. Well, we're going to sit down for a chat with Richard Dixon out of Charleston, South Carolina. Richard has started a magazine called Outdoor Leisure Mag, and basically it's all about the great outdoors, whether you're talking surfing, fly fishing, mountain biking, hiking, anything you can get up to in the great old outdoors. Uh, We're going to talk all about that today. First off, a quick look at the top 10 cities on the podcast for downloads this week. We want to thank you for listening in St. Peter's, Missouri, also Chilliwack, B.C., Barcelona, Spain, Grand Ledge, Michigan, Denver, Colorado, Grass Valley, California, Redding, California, Calgary, Alberta, Courtney, B.C., and Port Moody, B.C. Hey, everyone. This is Nate from theflycrate.com. I just wanted to thank you again for listening to the podcast and want to let you know about our new membership option called the mix and match subscription. This is for people who don't want us to hand curate a selection of flies for you, but you would rather choose a hundred percent of what you receive each and every month. But this is a great way to pick exactly what you want and save money on the fly crate without having to worry about the commitment. Anyway, go to the flycrate.com and find the icon with the $30 store credit. We want to welcome to the podcast, Richard Dixon. Now, Richard is right now currently out of Charleston, South Carolina, and runs Outdoor Leisure Magazine, an outdoor lifestyle mag. Thrilled to have him on the program. Richard, thanks for coming on today. Mark, I appreciate you having me. Well, now, we're going to talk about all the good things you're up to with your magazine, and believe me, uh, there's it's, it's a great fit for this show, because we get all different types of people, whether it's fly fishing, mountain biking, um, it's really diverse, just even hiking, camping, and we can get into all that good stuff. I always like to start the show off, though, in kind of the, the fly fishing vein, and find out how you came to discover fly fishing. Where did it all uh, start for you? Um, so I spent about eight years in Montana, uh, post undergrad. And, um, it was having lived out there year round, um, close to quite a few amazing rivers up near Glacier National Park, um, where I was able to you know, get out there more often than none. And I had a good buddy, uh, Nick Koonsman, shout out to Nick Koonsman, um, uh, who was, 
pretty much the same age as me, but ended up being a mentor of mine, both in skiing and fly fishing. And, you know, it was him that, you know, taught me the ropes of, you know, nymphing versus dry flying and, uh, you know, all the, you know, different times of year and, and the complexity of, you know, fly fishing as a whole. So, um, yeah. Cool. So, and then if you were to cite a couple of influences, uh, any other, uh, that you kind of learned from along the way? Um, I'd have to give a little credit to Hillary Hutchison, who is, um, a pretty prominent woman figure in fly fishing, uh, today with, uh, being an ambassador for quite a few brands. I think Yeti, um, and, uh, Patagonia, um, she's got a local guide service, uh, Larry's fly shop in Columbia Falls, Montana. Um, when I first moved to Montana from the East coast, um, I, my first job as a graphic designer was, uh, helping her out with a few projects and, um, she had trout TV at the time. And so, you know, she just naturally, you know, introduced me to, you know, different brands and, you know, the lifestyle of, you know, fly fishing. Hmm. Tell me the story on how you came to start this magazine, Richard, like uh, walk us through that journey a little bit. Where did it start and uh, where are you at now? So origin story of outdoor leisure magazine is, um, not too long ago, pretty much right when COVID-19 started, uh, you know, keeping everyone at home and, you know, projects and for me at least, um, in graphic design started slowing down and, um, I'm a creative director for four publications currently, um, three of them out in Colorado and Arizona and one of them based out of Miami. And so, uh, those three out West are tourism driven. And so I've just had the time, honestly, to finally challenge a couple of concepts I've had um, stirring in my head for, for years now, um, um, something that I wanted to build for myself. And um, honestly, it's just it's been fun just putting in a lot of time and just figuring out what the brand looks like, what the magazine looks like. Um, you know, what type of content I really wanted to share, uh, the people I wanted to, you know, work with. And, um, you know, it's been about 10 years in the making conceptually in my head, but, Hmm. you know, over the last five or six years, I've just been so busy with client work that I just haven't honestly had the time to pursue it until now. And, um, you know, I'm about three months in from, just getting the the logo finished to reaching out to some buddies of mine from anywhere from Northwest Montana to Chamonix, France, uh, and pretty much everywhere in between. So currently, um, I've got 12 editorials finished and, you know, we're getting the first edition out, uh, launched over the summer, probably early July. Well, talk to me about the core group like the core sports or or outdoor pastimes that you're talking to uh dallas in on that a little bit so having so i grew up on the outer banks or near the outer banks um technically uh 
so I am an East Coaster that grew up on the ocean. Um, so surfing has always been part of my life and sailing and whatnot. But when I moved to Montana and then Colorado, um, I built some amazing relationships with, with people from elk hunters to fly fishermen to rock climbers to ultra runners, um, wakeboarders, but mostly, you know, mostly out West, um, in fly fishing, hunting, skiing, and, um, and then on the East coast surfing. It always amazes me how much crossover there is in, in all those outdoor sports. Cause any one of those things you just named, basically it's someone that's passionate about spending time in the great outdoors, in nature, uh, in beautiful places doing things they love to do. Absolutely. I mean, it's funny you mentioned that cause it's pretty much the, the core of my thesis is exploring the commonalities of the, you know, elk hunters versus tarpon fishermen in Florida, you know, that hunt, that chase, that, uh, that pursuit and, you know, everything that comes with, uh, preparation and, and research and all that. So, um, you know, I definitely, you know, I definitely agree with you there. I think too, it, it, it's great from a business standpoint because let's face it, it, it attracts like gearheads, you know, like someone that's into the gear. So whether you're talking, uh, the latest in high end fly rods or backpack equipment or tents or, uh, kayaks, m- mountain bikes, I mean, the list goes on and on. And I think that's, that's one thing that a lot of people have in common, not just getting out into the outdoors, but how can I enjoy that at its best and make that experience the best it can be? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I've got buddies that are, um, you know, expert fly tires and I've got, you know, a buddy who makes his own ammo, uh, for hunting. And, um, you know, it's, it's not just waking up early and, and doing that thing, uh, whether it's fly fishing or hunting or skiing, it's, it's also, you know, those intricate, uh, steps that really make you appreciate, you know, that hunt or, you know, catching that, that brown trout, um, on a, you know, size 22 nymph that you just tied last night. You know, it's, it, it makes it, it makes it special. I want to take a minute to get to know you a little bit. You ready for a few rapid fire questions? Uh, yeah, man. Come on. It may, it may or may not have anything to do with fishing or okay. anything. Uh, favorite tunes on the way to the water. If you're uh, driving in your truck to, uh, to a local river or whatnot, what are you listening to? I'm a, I'm a bluegrass guy. If it's, if we're talking rivers, I, uh, I love the little smokies. Um, I love the infamous string dusters. I love leftover salmon. Um, yeah, you name it. Anything that's got a little upbeat, uh, upbeat bluegrass. One go-to fly pattern that you cannot live without. Uh, black beauty. Favorite place to talk fly fishing. Is there a coffee shop, a local bar, pub, watering hole, fly shop that you frequent that you like to get your fix when you're not on the water? Um, well, in Charleston, there's a lot of good barbecue spots and, um, that's it. That tends to be the, the go-to for a little apres, uh, pint. Favorite sports team, 
Well, you could go a lot of different ways here because I know you've relocated a few times. So if we're talking football, hockey, basketball, baseball, who who's your go-to? Where do you get your fix in sports? Uh, so I, I'm a graduate of uh, the University of Mississippi, um, also known as Ole Miss. And uh, so I have to go with Ole Miss football, SEC, all day. <laughs> when, you're, <laughs> when you're not fly fishing, you're usually doing what? Lately, working, uh, just trying to you know get this this passion project turned into you know an actual uh, an actual thing. Right. What's the best job you've ever had so far? Uh, best job I've ever had, I'd say waterfront manager at the Flathead Lake Lodge in Montana. Hmm. What'd you do there? So. The Flathead Lake Lodge is on the Flathead Lake, which is uh, pretty much the same size as Lake Tahoe, just less cubic feet of water. Um, and so I managed the entire waterfront from you know sailing to you know wakeboarding to uh, just keeping everyone safe, but also you know, the people I got to meet there were from Southern California. Uh, the owner of Quicksilver brought his family. I got to meet Roxy. Um, you know, there's some, just some great people that came through there and I'm a people person. So, um, you know, anything hospitality, I was, Mm. uh, I'm all about. Good stuff. What's the best fly fishing location without giving away the secret spot? Is there a, river stream lake that you spent time at that it was just the bomb uh yeah and it's you know it's pretty common area um it's in central ish colorado i'd say near fair play Mm -hmm. and um it's it's pretty uh it's pretty amazing certain times of year during the brown trout spawning Good stuff. Let's uh, let's transition back into your mag. So Outdoor Leisure Magazine. Where do we find it? How do we uh, see what's up and coming? And, and where do we look for it? So right now I've got a landing page, OutdoorLeisureMag.com. And um, on social media, you can find it on Instagram at OutdoorLeisureMag. Same with Facebook. Um, I actually just started a TikTok account to start recording some videos and, you know, sharing some stories of my why and, you know, my intentions with this. So, um, you know, I spend most of my time on Instagram right now just because I want to build up a following of, you know, like-minded people. And I feel like Instagram is is the place for that. Oh, yeah. um, on top of just promoting the people that I'm doing editorial content on and, and it, it, honestly, just reaching out, I mean, you and I met, you know, through Instagram and I think it's, it's more of a direct communication line to influencers and, uh, brands and whatnot. And, you know, it's been fun reaching out to people and get to learn, you know, their stories. Well, I, I love, I love Instagram because it's, it's as personal as you want to make it. It doesn't have to be totally personal, but when you hit it on the head, when you say like-minded individuals, because you can really kind of craft that whereas i find some other forms of social media you know it's there but it's not quite to that level agreed yeah i mean you can you can do some good research you can you can 
really get to know people without having ever spoken to them. Yeah, exactly. So I'm curious so far in this journey, starting this magazine, what's, what's your biggest takeaway? You must have a few things that keep popping up saying, ah, okay, now it's starting to make sense. Or is there something that kind of themes that keep reoccurring, uh, in this process? Um, I'd have to say, you know, it ties back to that, that common thread that cross pollinates different sports. Um, you know, I just see a lot of value in learning why people do things and what keeps them coming back that next season and learning about what influenced them growing up as a child or even, you know, as a young adult. Uh, whenever it may be, when they got into their sport. Um, but I just think that there's there's a lot of people out there that don't have the their path figured out yet. Mm-hmm. And part of the reason for me starting this magazine is to help people um, – you know, figure out who they really are as an individual through outdoor lifestyle content. And, you know, someone, some 15 year old in Michigan might read a story of, you know, my buddy in Chamonix, France from Minnesota, who now owns a media company um, and just moved out there to ski and whatnot and travel. And, and now he's got this successful company. And that story alone might inspire that one you know, 15 year old to you know, take that leap to Colorado or, or wherever um, mm-hmm. to pursue the, the, the lifestyle that you know, he or she wants instead of just taking some local, local job that just pays the bills, you know? That's so true. Cause you know, I've interviewed probably, I don't know, 20 or 30 people people that were kind of exactly what you're talking about actually most people that come on the show or they're doing it well they're passionate about it so first off you find what you're passionate at which it, it surprises me that sometimes people don't know that it does take a while to learn it but it's like when you find it you know it and if you can find a way to make money at it you, mm-hmm. you're set so i i'm sort of a um case study in this as well, where when I graduated from Ole Miss in 2008, the the economy wasn't very good. Uh, The job markets were terrible. Um, My degree from uh, from Ole Miss wasn't that hireable because of my sort of, uh, I I didn't go deep into graphic design. I was late to declare a major, but long story short, when I, it wasn't until grad school uh, four years after undergrad, where I started, um, you know, figuring out who I was as, you know, a person, as a, uh, as a graphic designer. And some of the questions they were asking me was, you know, who are you as an individual and how do you fuse that with your graphic design practice versus moving to New York and working for an ad agency doing dial soap, uh, you know, advertising or something, you know, like how do you, you know, how do you go through this introspection in a way over a period of time and, and really figure out like what 
brings you the most joy in life and how do you how can you make a living at that yeah man i love it i love it when people talk like that because i think we we need more of that like and if the further back you go the less that's true i mean yeah there's a lot of us doing what we love for a living, but there's also a lot of people that maybe aren't. And and how do they kind of start that process? When, when you come up, what's your kind of look at when you come up with an article for this magazine? I want you to walk us through that. Like, how do you visualize that? Is it is it basically storytelling? Is it telling people's stories? Is it telling a story about a trip? How do you kind of shape these, uh, these pieces? So... Uh, full transparency, I just started reaching out to some of my friends, you know, that I already know the the origin story and, you know, parts of their life that I wouldn't have known, you know, if I hadn't lived life with them a little bit. And, um, but there are a couple people that I've reached out to that I was just interested in learning more about because of, uh, you know, the content that they were sharing on Instagram. There's, um, there's a girl named Brittany Jill and she lives in Illinois now, but she, uh, she hunts and fish. Um, she grew up hunting and fishing and just happened to be good at social media marketing. And, um, now she's managing 13 brands in the hunting industry, uh, and, and counting. And, um, hmm. You know, when I, when I originally reached out to her, I was just curious, like, how did she get into, social media marketing within the industry that she, you know, loves. And next thing you know, I'm, you know, I'm learning, you know, the struggles and the challenges and, and the pains and the gains of that pursuit. And I find a lot of value in, in, in that portion of the conversation. And I think that is resonating with me the most in the, editorial content that I'd like to portray is, you know, talking to that audience of that 15 year old I mentioned a little bit ago, um, you know, from Michigan that's, you know, made up obviously, but like just giving you a scenario here, mm-hmm. you know, like that person might, you know, find that spark to, you know, pursue a, you know, it might, it might be fly fishing. It might be, you know, surfing, whatever it is. Like if you're a photographer, you know, yeah. Just do it, do it as a hobby. And eventually like, you know, you might be good enough at it to be a staff photographer for someone or even an outsourced freelancer for a brand, you know, like it's, mm-hmm. I, I love learning about people's struggles and challenges because that's where people grow the most. Yeah. Well put. It amazes me too, how if you find something you love to do, even if you can do it on the side, like, and you still need that day job, nine to five may not be the dream job, but just keep doing that. And usually somehow, some way, if you do it long enough and you start doing some things right, there's some money that there's usually some monetary rewards, I think at the end of it. Absolutely. Uh, you know, prime example is a friend of mine, Bianca, uh, in Denver, shout out to at Bianca Germain. Um, she is, um, a photographer. Um, at first it was just a a hobby and something she liked to do. She's, um, a really avid climber and and skier in the wintertime. And, um, you know, eventually, you know, she just, she got discovered as a photographer and now she's an ambassador for, I believe DPS skis 
Um, you know, she produces content through her photography for, you know, multiple local, you know, companies around Denver. And like you said, I mean, it's a hobby can turn into a revenue uh, on the side. And then you just never know. You just keep doing what you like doing. Next thing you know, you're, you're living it full time. Mm-hmm. Do you know what's funny? Um, when I started this podcast, I, I, I run into these random people in different walks of life. I'm like, I have to find a way. That person has an interesting story. And I don't even know if they fly fish or not, but I'm going to find a way to work that into the conversation. Like, do you know <laughs> what I mean? doesn't matter where you go. I, we we met, we were golfing in Phoenix one time. And, and this guy, he was uh, best buddies with Alice Cooper. And we struck up a conversation. And I still been, I, I write these names down. I got to reach out. If that guy fly fishes, I'll find a way to get him on the show. You know, he just had a lot of life lessons. And for me, I love, I love people's stories because we all have them. I, you don't have to be famous to have an amazing story. Exactly. I see you being a, uh, you know, doing a, a series on the water, you know, having people you mm. know, face to face and, you know, that, that's, uh, what's that, uh, show, um, Jerry Seinfeld had, uh, though the coffee one. Yeah. Uh, comedian, yeah. comedians in cars getting yeah. coffee. Just, you know, just, yeah. I love that. Yeah. You know, it's just, you know, they might it, not have anything in common, but you know, you put them in front of a, in a, in a certain environment for a little bit and next thing you know you're having a blast yeah well that's uh that's well put and 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 it sounds like you're doing that with the magazine so what i mean by that is one thing about me is i'm kind of pigeonholed into fly fishing so it's hard sometimes to go outside and say i want to talk to this guy about uh whatever his story or whatever her story is but with the way you're coming at it it's outdoor sports in general outdoor pastimes outdoor leisure magazine so your your avenues are endless agreed yeah um there's a magazine called garden and gun magazine based here in charleston but they span the whole southeast up into new york um and they have hit the nail on the head um with southern culture and the arts and uh Uh craftsmen and uh, musicians and, um, everything that comes, you know, revolves around, you know, the Southern lifestyle, whether it's, you know, landscape architecture to, you know, old historical buildings, et cetera. But, um, I just, I've always, I've always really liked what they were doing as a publishing company. And I've, Hmm. I just see a parallel in, the outdoor lifestyle cross pollinating all these sports because there's so many similarities. Yeah. And that's, that's come up in the past too. I had some, some really, uh, well-known business people have done really well. Uh, and they're talking about the hedgehog method where you have these circles and you look at the commonalities and where those overlap. Like you said, you just hit it on the head too. You said, what was it? Garden and gun. Like who would think that those two things go together? But you, you spoke to me on a couple levels just there. I happen to love gardening. And you know, I know that some people may go, yeah, whatever. But there's a lot of crossover in these pastimes. And a lot of them come back to the old outdoors. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, there's there's a lot of rigor that goes into it. There's a lot of preparation to, you know, just having your own little vegetable gardening in the backyard and um, you know, that actually, especially now, exactly. Yeah. There's a lot of value in 
having some chickens or something running around the backyard right now. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, I mean, you can even compare gardening to, you know, fly fishing It's just, you know, preparing and, um, you know, pursuing and then, you know, the, the reaping the rewards of, you know, all that, all that time and effort put in. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was I'm laughing when you say that because the busiest place right now where I'm at are garden centers, like uh, any kind of home, home, uh, you know, cause people are at home right now and they're trying to figure this stuff out and a lot of projects going on, uh, in the backyard. Oh yeah. So is it, uh, what's, um, you know, what's the weather like up there right now? Is it uh runoff season right now or what? Yeah. So the rivers are blown right now. The creeks and rivers are, we're usually we mid May, we kind of hit our peak runoffs, but it's warm. I mean, it's been, uh, see where I'm always getting my numbers mixed up here. We're Celsius. So today was like 27 degrees Celsius. So that's, uh, and Fahrenheit's probably, I don't know. I'm, I'm totally guessing here. 85 compared to previous winters. What was, uh, you know, what was the snowfall like? Uh, you know, we had a real great snowpack. Actually the skis, the, all the, the ski mountains did a may, it was a great year. Other than some of their seasons got cut a little short in the end, but the, uh, the snowpack was huge. It was epic actually. Nice. Um, but it, it's all always a little bit localized, you know, one side of where I'm at, one side of the Valley was a little, you know, a little light. And then the other side was, uh, was super heavy. So, um, you know, we're just kind of, once we start getting into June and the runoff slows down, then it's time to hit, uh, usually mid June, you can start hitting some, some creeks and rivers. Nice. What about in your way? Uh, well, I mean, well, you got no snowpack there. What am I talking about? Only, You're not in Colorado anymore. <laughs> only thing I got to worry about is hurricane season. We've got quite a few months before that. So, um, I'll tell you what, though, yeah. I, I miss being out West. It's, you know, that the seasonal changes and, you know, getting your firewood stacked and dried out and, um, you know, just waiting for the rivers to clear up and, you know, whatnot. It's just, it's addicting, you know, it's, it's that, that pursuit. It's you're, you're constantly thinking about something and trying to figure out how to navigate it. You still do a lot of surfing? Um, not in Charleston, primarily because there's not a lot of surf. I like to tell people, out west it's like living on uh you know out at deckers outside of denver or you know the dream stream uh with no mm-hmm. fish in it you know it's like it's a stupid problem where you're living on a beautiful river but there's no fish so it's it's uh right. which is part of the reason why we're moving my wife and i up to the outer banks uh for the summer we actually got married there back in october so um we're going to do a little, I appreciate it. Yeah. We're, uh, we're excited. We're considering it a summer moon. We never took a proper honeymoon, uh, yet at least. <laughs> so, uh, you know, we're going to, we got a nice spot right across the street from the beach and, you know, every morning do a little surf check, take the dog out on the walk and, um, you know, surf quite a bit more. The Outer Banks is, is pretty well known on the East coast for, for surf. Richard, I want you to put your artist hat on for a minute and uh, take us for a walk kind of through your perfect day. If you had to paint a picture for us and describe the day you want with a fly rod in hand, you know, what what does that look like? What type of water are you on? Walk us through that a little bit. 
Um, I actually like I like colder days. Um, I like when it's snowing. I, I I instantly my mind goes right back to Idaho for steelhead, um, where it's mm. it's cold. Um, you know, you got a little got a little whiskey in the pocket, and um, early, you know you're up <laughs> early. You know you're catching that that first light in the river. And, um, you know, a lot of times you're, you've got your headlamp, you know, before you can even, you know, see that, you know, the sun's starting to pop up. But, um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm an early riser. Like right now I get up at five o'clock every morning, um, and just spend a little bit of time for myself. But, you know, that, back in Colorado, it would be three o'clock in the morning. My buddy Nick and I would be throwing mouse patterns at, you know, two thirty, three o'clock in the morning, um, the pitch black dark. And then, you know, we'd be back in town by probably, you know, one o'clock in the afternoon. So, um, hmm. yeah, I mean, it, it's, you know, it's pretty nice when you've had a full day before mid afternoon, you know? Yeah. And, and what do you do in the afternoon? A little campfire, put the feet up with that, uh, a little uh, bit of whiskey or well, <laughs> what's going on next in Idaho. It's typically take a quick little, you know, power nap. But, uh, a lot of times it's just, you know, hopping around from, you know, spot to spot, trying to find that next drift and, um, and trying to find that good water and, uh, steelheads, the, you know, it's, it's more of the hunt than catching fish. And so, uh, it's, it's just a lot of practicing your, your men's and, you know, practicing good casts. So, uh, but Colorado, on the other hand, it's mid afternoon. I, I, I like going down to the, to the brewery and having a pint or two and then, you know, maybe go see some music or something that evening. But, uh, Idaho, I just, something about Idaho, I don't, I don't know what it is, but it's, there's, there's something about the, the fog and the 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 ruggedness of it and just seeing some of those elk herds and this full curled ram and um fishing bigger water than what i'm used to that just it's it's just embedded in me and i I just can't wait to get back out there how much of what you have been doing over the years for a day job and what you're doing with your magazine how much of that is being able to be where you want to be because let's face it from what you're doing you could basically be living anywhere in north america exactly yeah i mean i've i've been blessed where when i moved to denver i went on craigslist i was desperate for a job as a graphic designer i was trying to make it i was you know eager to find my way in the city biggest city i've ever lived in at the time by probably 500,000 people. I mean, it was, it was a culture shock to a certain extent, but I stumbled upon these independent contracts with, uh, these multiple publishers. And so it allowed me to, you know, make that trip up to Montana for six weeks at a time from Denver. Um, you know, there was a summer when I left mid June, right after I sent a, a magazine, to the printer the next morning I had my truck packed up and it took me almost five weeks to get to Northwest Montana from Denver. And so, you know, just 
I mean, I, I went through Thermopolis, Wyoming, uh, Du Bois. I don't even know how you say it properly. Du Bois. Du Bois. I don't even know. But, uh, you know, into Idaho, Henry's Fork, uh, you know, fishing the lower Madison. Like, as long as I have Wi-Fi I, in my laptop, I'm good to go. Yeah, that's that. There's a lot of freedom in that. Exactly, hmm. and I, I think I chose that intuitively. Like I always knew that. So my father's a certified financial planner, and I asked him, you know, what he enjoys about that, and he's like, I haven't enjoyed it since the day I started, but it pays the bills, and hmm. you know, that really hit me when I was younger, and so I've always wanted to do something that may not pay as much as, you know, the financial field, but gives me a sense of, of joy and, and whatnot. And, um, I just, uh, I I just value my freedom, you know? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. If you could change something about fly fishing, is there anything you think that we could maybe do a little better or differently? Yes, someone needs to come out with a heated pork pad for the handles. <laughs> um, honestly, like like an old slap bracelet or something. Like I'm surprised no one's ever come out with a heated um, like sleeve mm. for uh, you know fly rods for back to my Idaho days. You know, because you're just I'm casting with my opposite hand half the time just because my fingertips are frozen. Well, maybe now they will. That's a good idea. Ah. I like it. I hope so. I mean, I mean, there's got to be some sort of waterproof, you know, heating element that you know can be lightweight. Hmm. Got to be something out there. So, but uh, yeah, I would have started younger. <laughs> <laughs> You're not that old now. Thirty-five years young, my oh, man. Oh man, you got lots of time. <laughs> I hope so. That's just think how much uh, water you're going to hit, whether it's surfing or fly fishing in the next 35, 40 years. Yeah. When we, uh, when we moved to Richmond at the end of August, I'm excited to get up into, uh, Pennsylvania, the Allegheny and, mm. you know, see what the, what the brown trout are, are like up there. It's just darker, different water. I don't feel like they have the, the color as some of the, you know, Western Browns, mm-hmm. but, um, I mean, it's, you're, you're still chasing that fish. So, I mean, I'm not going to take it for granted. It, it amazes me. Uh, Pennsylvania has definitely some of the most diverse fisheries on the planet. I mean, it, I, we, I've talked to a lot of people from PA on this podcast and, uh, it just amazes me the the endless opportunities, whether you're chasing fish in tributaries like steelhead or, or native rainbows or browns or, or these, these little tiny brook trout, those photogenic, tiny, small, little, colorful, uh, beautiful fish that they chase in those small streams. Yeah. It's just, it's endless. Yeah. Uh, Colorado spoiled me with the quantity of big fish. Uh, so I'm gonna have to get a little, you know, four weight or something mm. to, you know, get, get into these smaller water areas like Boone, North Carolina has some good fishing. And my wife is from Southwest Virginia. And, um, so, um, you know, there's some good water around there as well. Yeah. 
Well, hey, man, I, I really appreciate you taking the time tonight. I, I want I want to make sure we get all your social media, all, all the places out there that we can find you. Where do we look for you on Instagram, your dot com? Just throw it all at me. So Facebook, Instagram uh, is Outdoor Leisure Mag. And the website is OutdoorLeisureMag.com. Uh, the website is in production right now, development. Um, and so between... Um, you know, the magazine and the website, I uh, should be up and running, um, you know, within the, the coming weeks. So, uh, I would say, you know, if you're interested in following my journey as, as a new publisher, um, you know, Instagram is definitely my go-to and, uh, there you'll get all the updates on, you know, when the magazines will launch, um, you know, any sort of online exclusive content. Um, I'm going to be trying to partner up with some photographers to do some workshops and some online courses actually, um, that target, um, or that focus on outdoor brands, um, from marketing to graphic design. I've got a buddy who's an art director for Burton. Um, and, uh, he and I are going to try to work together on a couple courses as well for, um, you know, branding and, and working with brands like that. So, Yeah. Well, you, I'm excited to see how this evolves. Yeah, me too, man. You got some exciting things in the go, and uh, I, I just know you're going to do great things with this. We've been chatting tonight with Richard Dixon out of Charleston, South Carolina, shortly moving to the Outer Banks. That's Outdoor Leisure Magazine. Check him out. Thanks so much again, man. Mark, I appreciate you having me on. The Fly Fishing 97 podcast is brought to you by theflycrate.com. Thank you for listening to the Fly Fishing 97 podcast. Your feedback matters. Let us know if there's a person or topic you'd like discussed. Email us at mark at flyfishing97.com. Until next time, tight lines and we'll see you on the water. Mm-hmm.